if you have any questions or comments and you'd like them to be on the show, feel free to leave me a voice message. The link for that should be in the show notes. If you want to leave me a message, you can find me on Instagram at Adam underscore Elisha, on Twitter at Mathematically Speaking, and there's now a Facebook group called Mathematically Speaking where we're going to be having discussions after every show, and I'll be posting episodes there about a day early. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Welcome back to Mathematically Speaking. I'm your host, Adam Allred. And today we're continuing our three-part mini-series on infinity. And on the last episode, I mentioned the word infinity a lot, but I never defined it. So infinity is greater than any countable number, but it has no assigned value. So at one point, a million was considered in the realm of infinity because it was bigger than any number countable at that time. A billion was the same, a trillion was the same. And now the largest number that we have, infinity is beyond that. And so it's not, it's not a number, it is only an idea. It is only an idea that represents a number greater than any countable number that we have. But today's infinity... And the infinity of pre-17th century, we were very different ideas. And the man that gave us today's infinity was named Georg Cantor. And he was a 17th century slash 18th century uh, Lutheran mathematician. And his Christian beliefs had a very large impact on his concepts of infinity. And when he was exploring infinity, he was trying to, ex- he was trying to get to the nature of God and he had many influences, such as Thomas Aquinas, who was a uh, Christian theologian at the time, or uh, at that time he was, Thomas Aquinas is very, very, very old. Um, but his writings have been influential on uh, Christianity, uh, philosophy of religion, and it turns out mathematics. So before Cantor, infinity didn't, it didn't mean like you couldn't put infinity into a set. Um, in mathematics, a set is it's just a container for things. Um, you could think of it like a bag or a jar. If I have a set of the numbers one through five, I can, I can put one, two, three, four, five in a bag, and that's my set. I can have sets of sets, so I could have a bag with bags in them. And infinity wasn't thought of it like this. It was just thought of like, it's just unbounded. It's just like bigger than we could think. It's an unboundedness. No one would ever write parentheses around something that was infinite. And true infinity was attributed to God alone. And this idea of God being the only infinite thing is very prevalent um, in mathematics because religion and math have always gone, have always coincided um, a lot of mathematicians have tried to justify religion 
using math and religion has used math to justify whatever uh, system they have at the time. And Thomas Aquinas is quoting saying that there are other things other than God can be relatively infinite, but not absolutely infinite. So this, are, this idea of smaller and bigger infinites is already kind of a thing with Aquinas, but it hasn't been mathematically formalized. So while Cantor was alive, uh, he came up with this idea of a completed set and put all the, he put all the integers into a set. Integers are just one, two, three, four, and then negative one, two, three, four, to negative infinity to positive infinity. It's just counting numbers. There's no decimals, there's no fractions, whole numbers only. And he put them into a set and gave them a transfinite number called omega to describe the size of that set. And so if I were to put all the integers into a bag and I wanted to let someone know how many numbers I had in there, I would have put the, the Greek letter omega, which is a W, put an omega on there, and that tells me how many numbers are in that bag. And he called omega a transfinite number. It's, it's not a finite thing that we could count, but it's not absolute infinity because absolute infinity is only allowed for God. And so it's a transfinite, like it links the two. And the idea of putting infinite amount of things into a set, into a bag, there's a lot of people who had issues with it, mathematicians and uh, theologians. And today there are still mathematicians who do not think that you should be allowed to put infinity into a set. But it's changed mathematics, and so there's no really going back on that. But it's they think it as a, a wrong done in the mathematical uh, history. So he already kind of shook things up by saying, we're going to put an infinite amount of things into this, into this bag, into this set. His second one was saying that there are transfinite numbers that are bigger and smaller than each other. So there are different sized infinities. And again, this kind of shook everyone up because if infinity is the greatest countable number, greater than any countable number, then how can you have different sizes of the biggest thing that there possibly is? And how can you have different sizes of really large things actually be small? Because he also introduced a small infinity that was larger than big infinity. So when I say small infinity, um, you can think of, like when you look into a microscope and you zoom in, you can get really, really, really close and you can't see those things that you can see with a microscope, a microscope with the naked eye. But, so that's kind of like small infinity. It goes so small, we can't really count it, but it's the smaller than any, the smallest countable thing. So beyond whatever you're looking at in the microscope, beyond that, into like the atom layer, that's kind of like small infinity. Except further, because we can see atoms now. And his idea was that these two sets... They had the same size, or what he called cardinality. They had the same size, two sets of infinity, if there's something called a one-to-one -one correspondence. And 
So if I have um, some numbers one through five on my left side and there are boxes for them on the right side, a one-to-one -one correspondence that every number on my left gets its own box on the right. It goes one, one spot to one spot. And if you can do this with everything in the set, they have the same size. And so he wanted to see what set of numbers have different size infinities. Can, I, can he make a one-to-one -one correspondence between two different things that had infinite things in them? So he first looked at the real numbers. And real numbers are any number you can think of. It's fractions, it's decimals, it's whole numbers, it's counting numbers, it's negatives. It's everything in between. And natural numbers or or positive integers, which are numbers uh, one all the way to positive infinity. He wanted to see if he can make a one-to-one -one correspondence with there. And he noticed that the numbers between zero and one have the same size as all of the natural numbers. So every number between zero and one, there's equally amount, there's equally infinite numbers between 0 and 1 as there are between 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to infinity. And this set up something called, and he called it the continuum, between 0 and 1, and you can then take all those th that idea and expand it to every real number. And so the real numbers are the largest size of infinity. Because from 0 to 1, that, it, that infinity is the same size as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 to infinity. And there's a very, the, the proof of it is, it's slightly complicated, but there's a, there is a proof, an informal proof, where if I ask, if I say pick a number between 0 and 1, and let's say you say 0.1, and then I'll say, well, and then I'll tell you a number less than that. And then you'll tell me a number less than that. So if you say 0.1, I'll say 0.01. And then you can say 0.001. And then I'll say 0.0001. And then you'll say 0.000001. And then I'll say 0.00000001. And we, just, we can just keep going back and forth, tacking on a zero to the, to the right after the decimal, making that number super, super small. We can do that forever. We could keep tacking on numbers, and it would still be between 0 and 1. And that's just with point, point 0.1. There's then point 0.2, point 0.02, point 0 0.00002. Point we can go back and forth forever, finding numbers smaller and smaller than each other between 0 and 1. And so he came with this idea that there's, there's a smaller infinity. There is small infinity, and it's bigger than absolute infinity. Because absolute infinity was thought of to be like, it's, it's, it's God, but it's also infinity based on 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, the natural numbers. But he found an infinity between 0 and 1 that's equally sized as, as that infinity. But it's smaller, because we're, we're shrinking down ever. So it's small infinity... And it's bigger than big infinity.
if that's confusing, it should be. Because Cantor was ridiculed for this. He was called a heathen, and he people claimed that mathematicians and uh, religious leaders claimed that he was that he was not doing God's work. He was not having anything to do with God because he was essentially disproving absolute infinity being a God or being an accurate representation for God. And this paradox that you can have a smaller infinity the same size as big infinity, it didn't make sense to them. And he was ridiculed and he kept trying to prove himself. And he, he eventually he went mad. He became very depressed and they put him in a, in a sanatorium and he stayed, he stayed there the rest of his life, and he died. And he was driven insane and severely depressed because he came up with this idea of small infinity and then decided to take that small infinity, which is bigger than bigger than infinity, put it in a bag, and say, this is the new mathematics. And, and part of his justification... He said that only God could know the true absolute infinity. That he said, like as a as an assumption, as a premise, God is the biggest infinity there is. I'm not saying that between zero and one is the same size as him. That's a transfinite number. It is not true infinity. And he developed three kinds of existences for these infinities. First, being God. Second, being something that exists in the mind of men. And third is a physical universe. In our last episode, we defined three kinds of infinity popular in, in philosophy, which was scholasticism, which is God, idealism, the mind of man, and materialism in the physical universe. And he supposed that God put transfinite numbers or the ability to comprehend different kinds of infinity into our mind to understand him and his existence. That our ability to think of infinity and contemplate it and do math with it was a gift from God so that we can then get closer to him. This was Cantor's uh, ideas and that was his justification as to why his pursuit of infinity was actually getting the world closer to God. Because as a Christian, that is what, that is what he wanted Because if we can understand small pieces of infinity, something, a, a bridge, you can think of transfinite numbers as a bridge between whole numbers, count, counting numbers, finite things, and absolute infinity. It's like it lets us kind of get to the other, get as close to absolute infinity as possible, and we're taking the road that is transfinite numbers. And then we are able to get a glimpse into the being of God. And he thought that numbers, the, that these transfinite numbers ex existed in abstraction, in mathematical notation only, but also in concrete reality. He thought these were physical numbers in the same way that one, two, three, four, five are physical numbers. And he thought that these numbers existing in our mind, he gave it, he called it a priori knowledge, <laughs> when I probably butchered that, it's Latin just for before, that we were, again, we were born with this knowledge of transfinite numbers. And from this, there are two conclusions. So, 
or two, he gave two justifications for this. He said it's it's obvious that the world has patterns. That is no one no one debates that then or today. The world is very cyclical. It's very there's cycles to it that are very easy to point out. And our mind is able to pick up on those cycles. Brains love patterns. And this relationship between the world and the mind is what makes us think we live in a mathematical world. And so we see these patterns. The world has patterns. That's not a doubt. We see the patterns a lot and in everything because that's what the brain picks up on. And so we think that the world is made of mathematics because mathematics is built on patterns. A lot of the theorems and definitions and concepts that built branches of mathematics were came from noticing patterns in either numbers or shapes or figures or something and then giving that mathematical notation. And so if you ever heard of something like sacred geometry where there are these things these numbers that give pat that create patterns but they're everywhere in the universe if you ever heard the golden ratio, you can do a quick Google search and uh, find some videos on that, I'm sure. And they think that the universe is then made up of these numbers. And they call it sacred geometry because it's a universal thing and there's a spirituality associated with it. So before Cantor, infinity was just unboundedness. It was just, it goes on forever. You put one, two, three, four, five, dot, dot, dot. You don't, put, you don't put parentheses on it. It's not a set. Cantor puts parentheses around it. It becomes a set. It's now in a bag. And he lost his career because of it. Today, the real numbers have constituted nearly all of traditional mathematics. The real number line, the fact that 0 to 1 has an infinite number of digits... has gave foundations for what today's calculus is. There cannot be something, there cannot be a limit if without calculus. You cannot, you cannot take an integral without, without calculus, without the idea of infinity. So quickly, how can infinity, a non-numerical concept that is meant to mean the largest number there is, but where small infinity is actually bigger, How can this give us an understanding of our world? Because I believe, I believe it can. I believe all of mathematics can give us a better understanding of the world we live in, including this super absurd concept that drives people insane, such as infinity. So one view, in the next episode, I'm going to do two big ones that I'm a big fan of. But just for now, to wrap up this episode, one possible take is in, uh, in the current currently accepted cosmology theory known as the multiverse, that there are infinitely many different universes, all of them either slightly different or drastically different from this one and then the next one. And thinking about the scale of the universe, oftentimes people feel hopeless and it makes them feel really small. And then they extend that to say it makes me feel small and thus it makes me feel insignificant. But I don't see why. why I don't see why small means insignificant. 
it's a because there's no reason to think why big means significant. If small is supposed to be insignificant, then big would then have to be significant. And there's no there's no reason to think that. Just because the universe is massively large, is infinitely large. If if you don't think the universe has a purpose, well then there's no significance to how how big it is. And so your the fact that you are small doesn't mean you're significant. It means you are significant because you are the thing experiencing this universe that has no purpose. You get to give it purpose. You get to put value on it. If you believe the universe does have a purpose and it's here for a reason and that we're living that we're here for a reason, again, its size doesn't give it significance. That's just it was made that way. And if you believe in God and God made an infinite universe. That doesn't mean that gives it all the significance, but that doesn't take away your significance. You are small. Yes, you are small and planets are large. And assign a value of significance to them is a thing that humans do a lot because we had to put value to things. We had to give things stories so to give us a context in the world we live. But that's not an absolute truth. So just because the universe is infinitely large, small does not mean insignificant. Because it's like small infinity is the foundational pillar to the greatest human creation that is mathematics. Small infinity is the most significant thing and there is in traditional math. Now on the next episode, I'm gonna, we're going to have two stories. Well, one's a story, one's more of a uh, thought experiment on how Religion had a massive impact in the mathematics of Italy post-Renaissance. And then how infinity could potentially make or break artificial intelligence. See you next time.